This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And it is the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. Hopefully everybody had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. While it wasn't great weather-wise and it wasn't great if your team lost, especially if you're a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now tomorrow, EJ Raddick's going to join us and we'll get his opinion on what happened with the Leafs. But I want to be able to give you my opinion. All right, I thought Toronto was going to win this series because I just thought the offense was just too overwhelming for Montreal. But what it really came down to is, and I guess it's a simple equation now that you see how it all broke down, is that Carey Price was just a better goaltender than Campbell. And that's what really was the difference. Now, it's easy to say that Montreal outplayed the Toronto Maple Leafs because of the goaltending, but that's pretty much it. I mean, Toronto was the better team throughout the series. They had the 3-1 series lead, and they came back from 3-0 down in Game 5 to force overtime, down 2-0 in the third period of Game 6 to force overtime. So they're a break here, a break there from actually winning this series in short order. But... We saw it with the Red Sox in baseball, okay? Demons are a thing. And when you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you're that popular of a team, you dominate Canada, you have a huge fan base, and you have a negative history, it's going to bleed into the room. It just is. And having the 3-1 lead almost worked as a detriment to them because it comes down to having to win that fourth game. So being up three games to one almost gave them that sense of even more pressure because not only if you will you lose this series and just have another first-round exit, but also blowing a 3-1 series lead to, of all teams, the Montreal Canadiens, it just built and it built and it built. But still, you know, you saw them come back from 3 nothing down despite having all that pressure. You saw them come back from 2 nothing down. You thought you were going to see it again last night, but then I just get, became just too overwhelming and just price was just too good. So it's just it's got to be infuriating because this team should be better. But the easy answer is their goaltending isn't good enough. They've invested all their money in four players and the goaltending wasn't good enough. They got to get a better goaltender. That's the easy answer, okay? But what's not so easy to answer is how do you get that? Okay, what goaltenders are available? Even if they had the money, what goaltenders are available? When are they ever going to develop a goaltender? When was the last time Toronto had a goaltender that came up within their system that played well? I mean, even going back to the days when you had, you know, um, Cujo, when you had Belfour, you know, whoever you ever want to throw into the mix there, they never seemed to be able to find that goaltender that was able to get them to the promised land and be able to build and work with it. It's always been just find some free agents somewhere um, and we'll plug it in, but we've got the great players that we need to go out there and score the goals and be better than everybody else. And it, it that works in the regular season when you play a lot of bad teams and it becomes more of an offensive sport. But when you get to the postseason and there's just not a lot of room it just becomes who's the better goaltender. Now, I've always believed that you don't need a great goaltender. You just need your goaltender to play great. But it's a lot easier to get great goaltending when your goaltender is already great. And whether it's Anderson, whether it's Campbell, or the litany of guys that they've had pretty much going back you know, to the last time they won a cup in 1967, it just has not been what you need and that's the problem but when when you've got Mitch Marner and you got Austin Matthews that combined for nearly 60 shots in the seven game series and scored just one goal between the two that's not good that's not going to get it done 
But, you know, Campbell gives up that goal to Gallagher, can't give it up. I mean, it wasn't, listen, he wasn't screened. You got to make that save. And he didn't. And now you're behind the eight ball right away. The pressure mounts, and now you're out early. And no disrespect to Montreal. The Deneau line did a great job shutting down their top gunners like Matthews and, and Marner. But still, and, and Carey Price was tremendous, especially in Game 7. But Toronto should not be sitting here licking their wounds again, losing another Game 7, blowing another 3-1 series lead, not being able to close the deal. The excuse always was, well, they just can't beat Boston. That's a bad matchup. But they lost Game 5 to Columbus last year and now lose to Montreal this year. So maybe it's not just a bad matchup with Boston. Maybe it's just they can't find a way to play well in the postseason. And the same goes for Edmonton, too. You know, Edmonton's got two of the greatest players in the league, and Dreisaitl and McDavid don't have the goaltending, don't win. Because those guys aren't going to score three points a night in the postseason, all right? They're not going to record hat tricks in the postseason. And take a look at some of the great players that are now out. No McDavid, no Dreisaitl, no Crosby, no Malkin. You know, Kane didn't even make the playoffs with the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, so you find that it's got to be a more of a team effort where everybody's got to come up with the game-winning goal. Somebody's got to come up with the offense. It was Casey Sezikis, who hadn't scored a postseason goal in six years, that wins it for the Islanders last night. You know, it, it's got to be guys that find ways to just get in front of the net. You know, Corey Perry, just he's a, he knows where to put himself. He's been in the league for a long time. He scores the game-winning goal at 107 years old. So sometimes it's not the best players. It's the best team. It's the best coaching. It's just putting yourself in the right position to play and also just getting better quality goaltending, which is something Toronto did not have. I don't know what you do about it. You know, they went into Game 7 without two of their best players. You know, Tavares got hurt in Game 1. They lost that game, but then won the next three without Tavares. So you can't say that Tavares is the major reason why, although you lose your second-line center, but wasn't a problem in Games 2, 3, and 4 to take the 3-1 series lead. The loss of Muzzin, hey, you got to overcome that, don't you? Because it wasn't like you were overwhelmed offensively by Montreal. You just could not find that goal until it was way too late, down 3 nothing late in the game where it really didn't matter anyway. So there's a lot that they've got to look at. They've got to be able to find a way to get the goaltender, whether it's finding him someplace else or, or growing a goaltender. Take a look around the playoffs. You know, look at the goaltenders right now. A lot of them drafted by the team. Price was drafted by Montreal. Hullabuck was drafted by Winnipeg, Right. You know, uh, obviously, Marc-Andre Fleur was taken in the expansion draft, but, you know, they were able to, to, to get him to play at an elite level. Um, you've got to be able to acquire the goaltender. Grubauer, Colorado did a great job acquiring him and making him that right now who's a Vesna Trophy candidate this year. Vasilevsky was a guy that was cultivated within the Tampa organization. So they've got to do something about their goaltending and they've got to do something about just growing a pair in these postseasons. I mean, they, that game seven was so weird, right? You know, because I'm flipping back and forth between game seven and then game two between the Islanders and Bruins, right? And like, there's no crowd in Toronto. And then you turn on game two and the Boston crowd was just unbelievable. But you can't even use the crowd as an excuse because again, Toronto had the 3-1 series lead when nobody was allowed in the building, Right. So I, I can't say that's an excuse either, but so but you got to find a little bit of something there. I mean, you got to dig down deep. You're, it's game seven. You've got a team that really believes that they can make a run at something here, and you get beat by the worst team in the playoffs, the Montreal Canadiens. And again, I don't want to take anything away from Montreal, but they are what they are, right? They had to fire their coach in the middle of the season. 
All right, they are not uh, they are not loaded with a, a ton of talent uh, up front. I mean, they've got some really nice players, but nobody that you would consider great outside of Carey Price. And yet they were able to come back from three one down, and then they find the heart and the and the ability to win those games in overtime after they blew the lead. They had the mental fortitude to be able to fight, fight through game five when they blew a three nothing three nothing lead, game six when they blew a two nothing lead in the third period, and still found a way to be able to win those games in overtime. Didn't tuck tail and just say, "Okay, we're not supposed to be here anyway." and get eliminated no they fought and they put themselves in a situation where hey a game seven's up for grabs right and Kerry price was the better goaltender no surprise and now montreal takes on winnipeg and i will say this and i need anthony to remind me tomorrow when i do my ice picks you take a look at the playoffs right the two teams that had long layoffs all won their first game back Right and handily, Boston had the long layoff after having to eliminate Washington quickly and wait for the Islanders uh, to win their series in the first round, and then they took care of business, won five to two in Game One. And you saw what Colorado did to Vegas after Colorado's long layoff after sweeping St. Louis. So, if I'm betting some money tomorrow. I'm going to probably bet Winnipeg to take care of business after what feels like they played a month ago after taking care of the Edmonton Oilers in a sweep. And Montreal having that short turnaround, right? An emotional Game 7 in Toronto, then fly directly to Winnipeg to play a game on Wednesday. I haven't seen the odds yet and all that, but I'm loving Winnipeg. And I'm going to bet Winnipeg big coming up on Wednesday as they've been sitting idle waiting. And I think that's going to be a fantastic series. Canadians and the Jets, one of those teams are going to be going to the third round, unbelievably. Two of the worst teams in the postseason. But let's not forget, Winnipeg ended up with those 73 points because, or, or their, excuse me, their 63 points because of the fact that they just were miserable the final few weeks of the season with Ehlers out of the lineup. But Ehlers back and now healthy, now having played in over a week after eliminating the Edmonton Oilers. So Winnipeg is in very, very good shape. What a game last night in Boston between the Islanders and the Bruins. As I, as I mentioned, just all of that emotion that crowd was just up for grabs because boy they've just been hungry to just see their team play and just a great back and forth game Boston draws first blood Varlamov again gives up that early goal but all of a sudden he corrects himself and the Islanders score three unanswered goals look like they're in great shape but look out for Boston again you get a couple of goals in the third period to force overtime and then you get to overtime and uh, Lozon with that uh, cross ice pass that goes off a of skate. Sezikis, who hadn't scored a postseason goal as I mentioned since 2015, beats Rask and the Islanders. Another overtime win, and now it's a best of five series going to the barn coming up on Thursday, and they get a little extra rest as well. Both of these teams before they play Game Three. But the big news earlier today, as um, uh, Cassidy admits that Rask is not 100%. He said it's an injury that is um, that is not unique to the position. So you wonder, is it a groin? What exactly is wrong with Rask? It's not going to be anything that's going to keep him out of Game 3. The extra day's rest is certainly going to benefit him. But wow, that could be big for the Islanders if Rask isn't 100%. And certainly giving up those three consecutive goals was un-Rask-like especially after how well he played in Game 1 and how well he has played so far in this postseason. Now, Halak, a former Islander, that would be a very interesting story if he ends up playing in this series. But Rask is the better um, netminder, and I would think that um, Rask is still the better option here, not knowing the injury. But that could be huge for the Islanders, and what an advantage that would be if they get a less than 100% Tuka Rask 
the rest of the way. But boy, just give the Islanders a lot of credit for bouncing back after that tough first game loss. And again, that's probably going to happen when you've got teams that are well rested, especially a really good team like um, the Boston Bruins, one of the best teams in the NHL. I don't care that they finished in third place in the division. They had COVID as the major reason for that. But Bailey's been so good for this team. You feel great for him. He gets his fourth goal. Paul Murray gets his fourth goal. Pajot had a great feed from Beauvillier. And Beauvillier is really rounding out to be that kind of stud player, right? You're starting to sense that this is going to be a big-time player in this league. He's really you know, growing into his own here. So a great job out of him this year. Eberle's been pretty good. Got to get a little bit more from Barzell for sure. Sezekis off the schneid, and now it's a best-of-five series with that extra day of rest before we go into Game 3 on Thursday. Now, tonight, just one game, the Lightning and the Hurricanes from Carolina. Of course, Tampa took the first game from Carolina 2-1. to one. This was an outstanding game from start to finish. You know, point had that big goal on the tip-in, on the power play, to give Tampa the one nothing lead, and then Bean gets a goal on the power play as well to tie the game up at one early in the third period but then it was uh, Goudreau and all the talk about uh, Cooper saying that you got all these Ferraris but sometimes you need that 4 by 4 and that's what uh, Goudreau has been for this team and he gets the game winning goal there with about six and a half minutes to go in the uh, third period to help um, Tampa get that win two to one I think this is going to be a long series I think this is going to be a seven game series but just a memo to the Carolina Hurricanes stay out of the box this lightning team is just going to kill you just ask the Florida Panthers this Tampa team is going to kill you when everything is equal there's some left to be desired by this Tampa team they do give up their share of opportunities for sure they're not exactly right yet but here they sit in the second round of the playoffs with a one nothing series lead on one of the best teams in the NHL and the major reason for that how they disposed of Florida and they've got the edge here is the power play got to stay out of the box if you're Carolina now that's easier said than done because these guys can fly right and these guys are going to draw penalties they're just good that way and certainly giving Tampa three power play opportunities is not out of the ordinary but that's where it's got to stay that's where it has to stay this team is going to get theirs you start giving them five six seven power play opportunities they're going to flat out kill you they're just too good so that's pretty good three power plays gave up a power play goal hey that's going to happen down the other the flip side of things is that you've got to do a better job on the power play carolina was one for five so that's the advantage there i bet you anything that if Tampa had two more power play opportunities, they'd probably squeeze another goal out of it. You know, so Carolina, you get those opportunities against Tampa, you got to take advantage of them. Anytime you can play the special teams battle, make sure it's in your favor, not theirs, because you're going to be in trouble. But I think this series is far from over. Carolina lost home ice, which is big because there's such a passion there in Raleigh with the crowds getting back in there, 12 plus thousand people. Tampa's going to have their crowd as well for game three. Got to get this one tonight, though. Got to get it. But Vasilevsky, good as usual, 37 saves in this one. So he's the best goaltender in the playoffs right now, in my opinion. Um, And I think you're going to see a lot more great goaltending from him down the stretch. So that's why you have to, have to, have to take advantage 
of your opportunities. I had mentioned Vegas is no show in game one. They get blitzkrieged by Colorado, who are well-rested. All the usual suspects scored in that game. Ryan Reeves suspended two games now because of his assault on Ryan uh, Ryan Graves in game one. Got to be careful, right? There's that fine line from doing what you got to do on the ice and then getting yourself suspended. He's a difference maker in a series, right? Because there's not a lot of guys like Ryan Reeves, especially if you're going to get in those type of physical battles and now you don't have him for the next couple of games of this series. So we'll see what the situation is going to be with who is in net. Is it going to be Flurry? Is it going to be Leonard? And that's going to be a big deal, too, because Leonard just did not have it. But again, I don't know who would have won that game. Colorado was just so so good. So that's going to be a fun series as well as I would not be surprised if Vegas comes right back and win, right? They got Pacioretty back. We've seen teams blow out teams in the first game and then it doesn't really matter the rest of the series. Although this Colorado team won the President's Trophy for a reason. Very, very dangerous team. Very scary team. So last thing they want to do is give Colorado a 2 nothing series lead. It could be lights out, but I think you will see a, bit, a better Vegas team on Wednesday. So Wednesday we'll see the start of the second round in the North Division with the Canadians and Jets from Winnipeg, and then it will be game two between the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights in Colorado. Both games could be seen on NBC Sportsnet. First game at 7.30, the second game is at 10 o'clock. And the, the same question we ask everybody is, boy, it just seems strange that they, it, it just felt like they buried game seven last night, right, by putting it on CNBC. And, and I know the same arguments we get, same with USA, it actually is in more home CNBC than NBC Sportsnet. I get that, but, and, and I understand you've got the New York market, you've got the Boston market, the Bruins an original six team, you want to make sure you put that in their prime spot. But boy, to hide a game seven. And I say hide because, listen, I'm a hockey fan, and I only have to look for CNBC in the playoffs. I, I don't have a lot of uh, money tied up in finances where I'm watching CNBC, right? So I always got to hunt for it. I got to go to guide, and I know it's in the 300, so I end up searching for it. And I don't know how much that affects the rating or whatever. But I get that it's Boston and the Islanders, and I. But it's a game two as opposed to a game seven. It just felt it felt like it was buried last night. That's all I'll have to say, and we'll see if uh, TNT and ESPN slash ABC will do a better job next year exposing the game sevens. Because as much as you love the markets and and the local attraction to get the better rating. The best two words in sports are Game 7, right? That's where you kind of win over fans. The fringe fans who maybe weren't aren't into hockey, you can kind of convince them to watch a Game 7, right? Especially with two original six teams, rivals that haven't met in the postseason since 1979. I thought it was a great chance to market the sport by putting that on your flagship station. I understand that CNBC is in more homes, but it's not a sports station. People don't know exactly where it is. This is your flagship station other than the big one, NBC. I think that should have probably been on. And I think they could have done a better job, too, spacing it out rather than one being at 7, one being at 7.30. One could have been at 7, one could have been at 8. Hey, it's a Memorial Day. It's 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 a Monday. It's a holiday. You could probably have started one of them at 6 and the other one at 8.30 or 8 to separate them to where maybe you could have had a doubleheader on NBC Sportsnet. But listen, I thought they did a great job. Um as far as if you were on CNBC and they were between periods of Canadians Leafs, they were giving you Islanders Bruins so you didn't have to flip back. So they did a good job. I just don't 
As, as EJ said last week, when you're in doubt why things happen, it's probably because of the money. So they certainly know a lot, lot more about television than I do, but I thought they kind of hid what I thought was the better story last night. No offense to Islander fans or Bruin fans, but a Game 7 is what it is, right? It's a Game 7, and it's something I think people really wanted to sink their teeth into last night. All right, let's get to your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, and let's go to Tony, who says, I tweeted you about the Leafs' past demons coming back into play after Game 5, and they lost the series. Go figure. My question is, who wins a playoff series first, the Kraken or the Maple Leafs? Also, who needs to go on the roster? You can't run it back as is. Well, again, it's it's addressing the goaltending, but what can you do when you've got so much tied up in four players, right? And Nylander was really the only one that showed up in these series, right? Is they? I don't know if a coaching change matters. You're not gonna you're not gonna break it up. You just got to get Tavares back healthy, and you just you got to find the goaltender. You really do. You know, for Campbell to steal the job away from Anderson, you went out and you got Riddick uh, during the trade deadline. You didn't use him as an option. I don't know what you do because again, even if you have the money, what goaltender are you going to go out there and get? Right? What goaltender is going to be available to you that you can go out and get? And, and say, this is the guy that we're going to ride the rest of the way. Very, very difficult proposition, but that, that's really where you got to look at it. Um, uh, Phillips says, Hi, if Sheldon Keefe is let go by the Leafs, wouldn't he be great fit for the Rangers? Your thoughts on that? I certainly like Keefe more than any of the other candidates. I, I think Sheldon Keefe has paid his dues. I think he's a terrific coach. I do not fault him for what happened in this series. I think the Leafs would be crazy to let him go. And sure, I, I would think Chris Drury would interview him for sure because I do think he's got um, a tremendous ability as a coach. And if you can handle the Toronto market up there in Canada for hockey, you could certainly handle New York. Dick says, how good is the Habs netminder carry price now compared to his peak level prime? How does he stack up against the Jets offense that looked capable in the first round? Now, I, 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 Dick isn't going there, but I'm going to preemptively say I, I still think Carey Price is overrated in the sense that he gets lumped in with the greats of all time and the guy has never even played in the final before. But that being said, he's still an outstanding goaltender that can steal a series, and he certainly did the last three games against uh, Toronto. Uh, he's not as good as he was back six, seven years ago. Uh, he is coming off an injury this year, but he certainly recognizes the moment, right? And and he certainly played well enough to be able to help them win. He will have another set of... Um, of dilemmas here against Winnipeg. Now, Winnipeg isn't the offensive juggernaut Toronto is, but you do have some really good offensive players there. You know, certainly with Ehlers and Dubois now healthy, and then you throw in what Shifley can bring to the table, Connor Wheeler. So they're they're up there. They're right there offensively. Um, you could probably do a little bit more defensively against them, although I think Connor Hullerbuck is, is a better goaltender than, than Campbell. Uh, but this is a, a different set of circumstances, but a similar team where it's going to be a lot more offensive of minded um Carey Price is going to have to do his thing again but no he's not the goaltender that you know went to the conference final back in 2014 he's older but he's still an outstanding goaltender Richard says uh 14 of 15 of the NHL's highest paid players by the cap hit have been eliminated from the playoffs only Carey Price remains thoughts well I, I think it's just circumstances uh, clearly, because uh, we could talk about the finances, but when you talk about the great players in the league, isn't Bergeron great? Isn't Marshawn great? Isn't Pasternak great in Boston, right? When you uh, take a look at Colorado, isn't McKinnon great? Isn't Landis Scott great? Isn't Rantanen great? 
So I think it's just circumstances of when you become a free agent and the cap situation. So you still have a lot of great players in these playoffs. But I think what it does tell you, especially in the Toronto situation, is when you put a lot of money, when you put your eggs all in one basket, you're going to have weaker links down the chain as far as the rest of your team is concerned, right? And that's happened with Toronto. Do they have the best blue line? Do they have the best goaltending? Because so much is invested in, in Marner, in Tavares, in Matthews, in Nylander. So it makes it difficult for you to be able to get great players in other places unless you find prospects like Colorado has in recent years where you don't have to pay them yet. But I don't see the relation between great player and exit. I look at it more as teams like Toronto investing a lot of money in one particular area and needing to come up big in others. Ozzy says, did Vegas unintentionally get a boost by Reeves being suspended? He's a liability down the ice due to lack of speed, and his ability to hit only comes into play during scrums. Last year, he nearly cost the Knights the Vancouver series with his late Game 7 major. Good point, Ozzy, because he's not your typical offensive player but there are times where you really wish you had him because especially uh, when when a series becomes physical but you bring up a good point is that going to happen with Colorado and are you just looking for a little bit more offensive firepower um, it's it's a good point, and we'll see where this series goes the rest of the way. And if it ends up being where I'd want Reeves to clean up a bunch of scrums because we're down by five goals, well, you're not going to win the series anyway, so it probably doesn't matter. Uh, Troy says, what's next for the Leafs? Should they trade away Marner and Nylander? I mean, okay, for what? I mean, these are big-ticket big guys. There's only a handful of teams that have the cap room, and – I don't know of any teams that are so desperate for offense they're willing to give up stud defensemen or goaltenders in the process. And what goaltender is available? Uh, you you want to tell me that Alexander Georgiev is going to solve your problem? Um, I think I think Georgiev is a terrific, terrific goaltender. Um, but I don't know if he necessarily solves your problem. He has not been an answer in the postseason. He's never played in the postseason. So isn't that almost, uh, at a sense, kind of just changing the name but not really changing the attitude or the experience at all? So that's something that certainly uh, hops into mind there. Christopher says, do the Rangers look at what happened last night in Toronto and see that success in the playoffs comes down to a stud goaltender rather than a bunch of offensive superstars hoping Shesterkins can steal a series next year like Price did last night? Well, they've got Shesterkin, right? And they're eventually going to have to make a decision on Georgiev and where they're going to go from there. But they've got the goaltender. So you know they can stockpile and continue to try to build offensively knowing and believing that they've got their stud goaltender that'd be a better question if the ranger didn't have that goaltender and we're trying to invest in it but they believe they've got it and believe me they're moving in the right direction uh michael says do you believe the bottom two d pairs for the islanders letty mayfield dobson green can withstand the offensive push of the bruins second and fourth lines in the entire series pelican pulak have been awesome so far i think they can because I, I, I like how well-rounded Boston is, but we've talked about Boston being top-heavy. That's the best line in the NHL, right? That, that's the line that scares just about anybody as far as offense is concerned because Pasternak, Marshawn, and Bergeron are as good as they come. But the question has always been with this current, um, this current Boston team, do they have the depth offensively to be concerned. Now, you were worried about their their four through six getting the job done against the um, 
the second, and third, and fourth lines of the Boston Bruins, well, take a look at who you have to stop. I mean, Dobson's an offensive guy, but Green's been around forever. He's a former captain with the New Jersey Devils. He's played in a Stanley Cup final. I, I, I think he's going to be fine. But when you look at the line combinations for the Boston Bruins, I, I, I think that you can you can slow them down because there's a distinct drop-off between one, two, three, and four, in, in my opinion. Boston has got guys like Krejci, who, who's, who's good, and DeBrusque. Now, Hall is an X-factor, but he is certainly someone that I think can be contained. And then you've got Coyle, had a big goal last night, but certainly not unstoppable by any stretch. Kuhlman played his first NHL playoff game the other night. Richie, um, Lazar, Wagner, uh, Corrali. So, yeah, they can, they can control it. Hall's the X-factor, right? Hall's the guy that you worry about because he's a star player. And so I think I would not be concerned about the um, four through six defensemen, uh, or I guess three through six would be the way to put it, because outside of the of the top pairing, you know that's what you're looking for with your uh, second and third pairings. Uh, I, I think they can uh, more than handle what Boston has. Again, just stay stay out of the penalty box. That's going to be important, and make sure that that top line does not kill you because they can kill you. That's how dangerous they are. And finally, Haywood says, with Toronto being eliminated, do you see them uh, like the Lightning were before um, or blow it up? I guess what you're saying, when the Tampa kept knocking on the door, not being able to win, and just kind of stuck with it and eventually won – I don't. I, it's apples and oranges to me, Haywood, because I looked at Tampa and I was like, Vasilevsky's a good goaltender, tremendous, maybe the deepest blue line in the NHL. So it wasn't just, oh, Stamkos can't win the big one, Kucherov can't win the big one, uh, Point and and J and TJ can't win the big one. No, no, they just they just needed to figure it out. This Toronto team's got holes. They do. Uh, again, is this a, is this a spectacular blue line? Yeah, they they can score. You know, uh, I think. Uh, Morgan Riley can score, but can they shut teams down? And do they have the goaltending to get the job done? I mean, these are all things that kind of pop into my head when I'm looking at Toronto. I don't necessarily look at this team as as championship caliber because offenses just don't seem to carry the day anymore. It's about being a well-rounded hockey team, and Toronto is not a well-rounded hockey team. Well, I wanted to get to your tweets. Now, we're going to go come back tomorrow. We gave, we took Monday off because of the um, holiday, and EJ is going to be available to us. So line up questions for him at, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Conduct, and then we'll be back to our regular schedule, you know, doing it Wednesday and then doing it Friday. So back again tomorrow with EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. Talk to you again then. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.